On the bright side, if you're going to put out one of the worst offensive performances in modern college football history, the least you can do is win the game. And the Miami Hurricanes did that. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Halloween. I'm Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So we're going to turn the page on 14 to 12 quadruple overtime win over Virginia. If you told me before the game that it's even possible to win a game 14 to 12 that goes to four overtimes, I would have said, not sure if the math actually checks out on that one. But here we are. And most importantly, my friends, it's Florida State week. Let rivalry week begin. And the Florida State Seminoles are pretty hefty favorites in this rivalry game. We are going to talk about it. But folks, First rule of Locked on Canes. We talked about this after the Southern Miss game. We talked about this after the Virginia Tech game. We do not apologize for victories here. We do not come out of victories acting like they're losses. That doesn't mean there aren't things that were really tough to watch this past Saturday. We're going to break those down. But I don't want you guys' mood to be, oh, we're so terrible. Oh, this is awful. You won the game. You won a road ACC game. Let's start there. Let's start with being thankful that the Hurricanes were able to pull this one out. Uh, And I want to start with the positives from the Virginia game before we get to the negatives. And not too surprisingly, most of the positives were on defense. Most of the negatives were on offense. But, folks, I genuinely loved how this team showed resolve. And they showed resiliency. I think those are the buzz, all the buzzwords we're looking for here. Because you go back to the week prior in the loss against Duke. Miami looked mentally and physically beaten and battered in the fourth quarter of that Duke game. Whereas this time around, whether it was the fourth quarter or four overtimes, these Miami Hurricanes never ran out of fight. This does not look like a team that's quit on each other or quit on their coaches. Because that was one of the narratives that everyone was sort of trying to start after the Duke game. Are they quitting on each other? Are they quitting on the team? At least that didn't carry over into the Virginia game, okay? Now let's talk about that defense, which was real and spectacular. 11 tackles for loss. Five sacks. Leonard Taylor is an absolute monster. This guy doesn't need a Halloween costume tonight. We should all be dressing up like Leonard Taylor and terrifying quarterbacks this evening when we're trick-or-treating. Because, of course, I'm I'm almost 40, but we all still still, uh, trick-or-treat, right? Leonard Taylor on Saturday at Virginia. Four tackles for a loss, a sack and a half for LT. Just marvelous stuff for number 56. This guy is going to be a first-round draft pick someday, and I'm so thankful that Leonard Taylor is not even eligible to leave for the NFL draft this year because he's only two years into his college career. So like it or not, NFL scouts, we got this guy for at least one more season. Uh, I'm thankful for that. Big pass breakups in the game by Cam Kinchins and Tyreek Stevenson. So Miami's defense at times, and you know, obviously you can talk about how bad the opponent is. I get that. But Miami's defense bent specifically in the second half and in the third quarter. I think in the third quarter, 
Virginia outgained Miami 180 yards to 30. Uh, so Miami's defense, they bent, but they never broke. Didn't give up a single touchdown in the game. Uh, never uh, never broke in the red zone, which was important. Had some goal line stands. Mitch Agude, another standout, seven tackles. He led the Canes in that game. Caleb Johnson, the linebacker. Jafari Harvey, the defensive end, each had two tackles for loss. Nigeli Kelly, the true freshman edge rusher, and Jared Harrison Hunt, the defensive tackle, each had a sack. Um, you know, it was funny during this game because, like, we have two completely different conversations about Miami's offense in that Virginia game versus Miami's defense in that game. At certain points during the game, probably during that third quarter, like I actually saw some people on Twitter, like trying to fire Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator. It's like, what planet are some of you on? Uh, I was tempted just to hit the block button and move on with my life on some of you, because when your offense scores just six points in regulation, you have no business winning any football game. I mean, if you ask a defensive coordinator, any defensive coordinator in the country, like, how many points would you like your offense to score just to give your defense a chance to help you win the game? I guarantee you they would all say more than six. Your offense scored six points in regulation. And some of you were trying to blame the defense for giving up an occasional first down here and there. Like, it's, uh, I don't know if this is real life sometimes, but no, I'm not going to blame the defense. They were excellent in this game. Now, Florida State's going to be a much tougher challenge. Miami's rushing defense has been really, really good this year. Second best in the ACC. But you're going to be going up this coming weekend against the top rushing offense in the conference. So something's got to give. One of the best rushing defenses against the top rushing offense in the conference. And just for reference, when Florida State's rushing offense went up against Clemson's rushing defense a couple of weeks ago, Clemson has the top rushing defense in the ACC. The Seminoles still managed to put up 206 yards rushing against Clemson. So it's going to be a much tougher test for Miami's defense, a much tougher test. Hopefully they can force Jordan Travis into making some mistakes and they can put just hell's worth of pressure on him. But then the other problem is he's a, a mobile quarterback, so he can hurt you with his legs. And Miami has struggled against that. So but still, for this one, I'm not blaming the defense. Um, I was very satisfied with Andy Borigalis, Miami's kicker. He gets a game ball. Four for four. Three of those were clutch kicks where the game was literally on the line. End of regulation and in overtime. And he went four for four. Uh, you know, like when Borigalis, let's, let's rewind back to mid-September. When he struggled against Texas A&M, some people thought he may never mentally recover from the kicks that he missed and the miscues against Texas A&M. Um, because that happens with kickers sometimes. The mental part of kicking, I think, is as big, if not bigger, than the physical part of kicking. And sometimes when kickers just have an awful time, they don't respond from it, they don't bounce back. Andy Borgalis has bounced back. This guy's one of the good ones out there. That was big. Uh, and let's also remember, he had the demons of going up against the Virginia Cavaliers from last year. He doinked a game-winning try last year. So I'm so happy for Andy, and I'm so happy that he was able to impact this victory the way that he did, because 12 out of Miami's 14 points were scored by him. What is that, like 85% of the points? That's my quick math. It's probably way off. But almost all of the points Miami scored were the direct result of Andy Borigalis's leg. So God bless him. That was an awesome performance. Other positives, Henry Parrish, he helped resurrect the rushing offense a bit. I'm not going to throw a parade for 147 team rushing yards, but 
Henry Parrish helped resurrect it a bit. 24 carries for 113 yards for Parrish was nice to see him get going. And there were a couple of carries where he was like just, you know, one broken tackle away from taking it to the house. That's been the story of the season for Miami, just not getting those long, long runs that we need for explosive plays. But Parrish had a nice game, 24 carries, 113 yards. And this was actually the first time Miami had an individual 100-yard rusher since September 10th. That was week two against Southern Miss. The last time Miami had a 100-yard rusher was September 10th, and Henry Parrish was the guy who did it back then, too. Uh, excluding sacks, Miami had 166 team rushing yards, but the actual total that includes the sack yardage was 147, but 166 excluding sacks, which is like – it's not terrible. Like, I'm not satisfied with it because Virginia's rushing defense is really bad, but I'm somewhat satisfied with it. And I also, I understand the fact that no matter what rushing defense you're going up against, if you can't throw the football, like Miami really couldn't, if you can't throw the football, it's hard to sustain a running game for four quarters because the other team knows this quarterback can't beat us, right? So it makes it that much harder to run the football. So I'm somewhat satisfied with it for that reason. And you know what's kind of freaky? Because I always love when the stats tell these weird stories. Um, heading into that game against Miami, the Virginia rushing defense was averaging 147 rushing yards given up per game, 147. And Miami records exactly 147 team yards. It's freaky the way that that worked out, right? We hit them for exactly the average that they give up on the season. Uh, I was so happy, so happy to see Xavier Restrepo back, the X-Man. One catch for 10 yards only, but he played 16 snaps in this game. I wasn't expecting him back last weekend. I'm so glad because, guys, it was so important, I think, for X to get the weak head start before Florida State. Get him on the field, shake off a bit of that rust, because if Miami has any chance of beating the Seminoles, Xavier Restrepo is going to have to be a centerpiece of that, right? I don't think Miami can beat the Seminoles without Restrepo having a big game, without Henry Parrish having a big game, without Leonard Taylor having a big game. I don't think you can beat the Florida State Seminoles without forcing any turnovers. So, you know, guys like Cam Kinchins and hopefully James Williams uh, and Miami's linebackers will have to play a big role in that because they're, you need your primetime players to step up in primetime, right? Like you need your the handful of players that opposing coaches actually have to game plan against. Those are the guys who you need to step up and have these big games. And we know Restrepo is one of those. So he got back, played 16 snaps, caught a ball, shook off some of that rust. And I also don't want to beat around the bush because, yeah, if you're going to beat Florida State, we're going to talk about this more throughout the week. I don't know if you can do it without Tyler Van Dyke. That if Van Dyke isn't able to come back this weekend, I don't know how Miami wins this game. It's a rivalry game. To home game, stranger things have happened. Like Florida State wasn't supposed to beat Miami last year, but it's going to be so hard, folks, to win this game without Tyler Van Dyke. We're going to talk about Jake Garcia when we come back because there is a lot to unpack there. First collegiate start for Jake. There was some good. There was a lot of bad, right? So we're going to get to it right after we talk about the great folks at betonline.net. And dudes, the opening line is out. For Miami hosting Florida State and the Seminoles, nine-point favorites. Almost 10-point favorites. That's two scores, nine-point nine favorites. The Miami Hurricanes are nine-point underdogs. 
So, hey, if, if you think rivalry game, Miami's going to keep it close or win the game outright, you want to check that out at Bet Bet BetOnline is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season as well. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sporting wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Do you feel like Miami's ready for Florida State? Are we ready for this? Uh, the defense looks ready to me. Leonard Taylor, he looks ready. Hopefully, Akeem Mesidor is going to be healthy again this Saturday. Uh, he's looked ready for most of the season. Cam Kinchins looks ready. Uh, Tyreek Stevenson played a big role. He looks ready. Kevin Steele, defensive coordinator, he's ready. Just this offense, it's I'm, – I'm hoping – I'm hoping that the way that Josh Gaddis called that game on Saturday – Maybe he was keeping things close to the vest for Florida State. Is it okay to dream? And yeah, we need Tyler Van Dyke back. I'm wearing my TVD t-shirt today. Those who are watching on YouTube can see it. Those who are listening, you will just have to imagine the, the awesome TVD uh, Tyler Van Dyke's t-shirt that I'm wearing today. So let's talk about Jake Garcia. Normally, if you play poorly, as poorly as he did, you don't win the game. Let's start with that. So kudos to Miami's defense, right? Because if you play as poorly as Jake played, you don't usually win. If you can only manage six points in four quarters, you don't usually win the game. Garcia's confidence throwing the football and his accuracy looked completely missing in action for most of that football game. I think there are a lot of factors here, guys. Uh, maybe there are some nerves that come into play. He's obviously played at times this year, but it was his first collegiate start, and it was on the road. And I'm I'm not making excuses for him. I'm just thinking of the factors here that led to him looking as shaky as he did, right? You're making your first start. There's nerves. There's butterflies that come into that. I also think that taking all the hits that he took last week and getting sacked three times against Virginia – made him extremely gun shy because he looked like he was overthinking everything. He looked very hesitant. And clearly with the way that final red zone trip of regulation was managed, they do not trust Jake's arm first and goal from the three. And you don't throw, they do not trust his arm right now. He doesn't read the field. Well at all. You could just tell he's thinking way too much out there. Garcia, when we saw him get some playing time earlier this season, right? Like when he came in and actually provided a spark against Middle Tennessee um, and, you know, some other sporadic times we've seen him even dating back into last year. Um, he looked like he was just out there slinging it and not thinking about it. Now I think he's completely in his own head. He can't get out of his own head. Jake Garcia actually graded out the very worst among every Miami offensive player on the pro football focus uh, metrics, just 47.9% grade for Jake and downfield. The accuracy was not there. The timing was not there. The chemistry was not there with his receivers. Jake Garcia throwing beyond 20 yards downfield was just one for six in that game. But with all that said, I'm not just going to sit here and blindly bash Garcia because, A, he didn't throw any interceptions. And he made the game-winning score in overtime four with his legs. And the funny thing about that score was he did have Khalil Brantley wide open. Like, 
on just just looking at the play, the slow mo replay, and like the quarterback's view of it, he could have just as easily thrown that touchdown to Khalil Brantley than actually run it in and go for the pylon. But but I think when you have as little confidence in yourself to complete a pass as Jake did by that point, he probably thought, you know what, let me just pick this up with my legs because something terrible might happen here, right? When you throw the football, uh, a lot of different things can happen. Most of them are bad, right? He can have a poor throw. Khalil Brantley can drop it. Uh, it could get intercepted, right? Like a, a complete pass is not the highest percentage of thing that can happen there, especially with the way that Jake was playing to that point. But I give him credit because with the four awful quarters that he had would be very easily, I think, for him to have just broken mentally. And he clearly didn't like and, and you know, getting your first collegiate victory as a starter, getting it on the road. I'm hoping that's going to be a big thing for the young man's confidence moving forward, because I think he's going to need it. OK, uh, so. I loved how he did get that game-winning score because I think that was great for him. And I love the way that his teammates celebrated with him, right? Because these guys need to rally around each other. Like, that's the only way that this thing's going to get fixed and this thing's going to get turned around. Um, and listen, um, that was his first collegiate start. I didn't like what I saw from Jake as a passer. He's not nearly as good as Tyler Van Dyke. Like, anyone who had questions about that, uh, that's been firmly answered these last couple of weeks. Tyler Van Dyke is far and away the better quarterback right now. But I'm not completely, completely writing Garcia off yet, okay? Whether he ends up finishes, finishing his career in Miami or somewhere else, whatever, I still think Jake Garcia could end up being a player in college football. Uh, we've seen Jakari Brown. He continues to play a role in this offense, and I think it's important because I think when he is being used in short yardage and when his legs and versatility are being used, it gives Miami a better chance to win a football game because it gives defenses another thing to think about and pretty dynamic player that's hard to stop in Jakari Brown. But I see some people saying that like he should be the starter for the rest of the season. Um Guys, I still have no reason to believe right now he can complete passes. Like, we have no evidence that he can, right? He one-hopped a pass that only needed to travel 10 yards through the air. It traveled eight. We need to give Jakari Brown time. Obviously, he can be a weapon with his legs. We just don't have the arm there just yet. I think it can come. I think Jakari Brown could potentially be a future starting quarterback at the U and a very successful one because guess what? A lot of the most successful quarterbacks out there are guys who are dynamic runners. And Jakari Brown is that and can be that, but you need to be able to complete passes as well. So I want to see him continue to get more reps and even more passing attempts throughout the season. And for the 10,000 people who have asked me, no, I wasn't happy with Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator, because there can be, I acknowledge, there can be problems with players and coaches at the same time. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Josh Gaddis doesn't call plays in a way that gives anyone a chance to get in rhythm. No imagination, no tempo. And I think it was our guy BP who sent me some Twitter messages about the game. And he had a great term to describe it. He referred to Gaddis's play calling style as appearing to be planless. And I get it. Like when you also are so decimated by injuries, uh, it can like a lot of times people will look at play calling when that's not always the biggest factor in this. But at the same time, I don't think he does his offense enough favors to get these guys going and get these guys in rhythm. So, you know, Miami, they want their offense to be like Georgia. But when you don't have Georgia's players, sometimes you have to tailor your offense and call plays to disguise your deficiencies. And that's not something Miami does. 
And no, Gaddis was not the one out there missing open receivers, missing blocks or missing holes. Uh, but there is blame to go around, I think, for players and coaches in this one. All right. Wow. Florida State Seminoles, big time favorites against Miami. This game means so much to me. You know, if you know, the Hurricanes are two wins away from being bowl eligible. But if you told me, Dono, the scenario is you're going to get three more wins this year, but the one that you're going to lose is Florida State, but you're going to make it to a bowl game and you're going to beat Clemson in that scenario. I'd say, you know what? No, I would rather win just one more game all year and it be against Florida State. Honestly, I would rather go five and seven with a victory over FSU and miss a bowl game and then lose your your final three games after because after Florida State, you have Georgia Tech, Clemson, and Pittsburgh. I would rather beat Florida State, end the season on a three-game losing streak with no bowl game, than lose to Florida State, win the final three, including an ups. Well, am I right on that? Because <laughs> I'm thinking about this out loud. I'm going to stick with my guns here. I would rather beat Florida State and lose the next three than lose to Florida State and win the final three and be in a bowl. I hate Florida State that much, guys. I hate Florida State that much. I'd rather beat these guys 52 to 10 than win it on some wide right or wide left because close games are obviously very exciting. They're not good for my cardiac health, but yeah, I'd rather get like a 20-20 style 52 to 10 in this one. But this game means so much to me. Any, any Miami fan, right? If you're an old school Miami fan, you hate Florida State, you despise the Gators, and you really, really hate Notre Dame. Not that they're a regular part of our schedule, but we play them. You know, we have a cup of tea with them every now and then. So we're going to talk about what the Florida State game means and the way the odds makers are looking at it when we come back. Keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So uh, our partners at Bet Online opened this one up at Florida State minus nine, the Seminoles are nine point favorites on the road against the Miami Hurricanes. The five and three Seminoles who come off uh, a blowout win against Georgia Tech, basically expected. I mean, Florida State looked good in that game. Jordan Travis had a career game. Georgia Tech is terrible. We know this. Uh, hopefully Miami can get a victory over Georgia Tech in a couple of weeks, but it was kind of expected. But Florida State did look good. They snapped their three game losing skid. Um, so they opened the Seminoles nine point road favorites guys, my guess on how this number was going to open. Cause I'm pretty good at this. Most of the time, my guess was six and a half. My guess was Florida state minus six and a half thinking about, Hey, it's a rivalry game and it's a home game for Miami. I know there's going to be a lot of FSU fans there, but home field still means something in this rivalry. Uh, so I was surprised by nine, like I six and a half or six seemed like a good number for me. Minus nine is a really, really big number. I want to see how it moves throughout the week. Crazy as it may sound, I would almost be tempted to take Miami plus nine, even though the Hurricanes are 0 for seven now against the spread, because even though they beat Virginia, they didn't cover. Maybe if you were lucky enough to bet it at a time when it was Miami minus two, you pushed but I didn't see it minus one and a half anywhere. So you didn't win your bet on Miami against Virginia. You probably lost it. You might've pushed it. The hurricanes have not beat a spread all year. Uh, I think Miami plus nine though is a possibility. Uh, some of you think the opposite way for me. Some of you think Florida state should be double digit favorites. Uh, 
they've looked double digits better than us. I get it. Rivalry game, though, is the big factor for me. The shoe was on the other foot last year. Remember, Miami were big favorites on the road against Florida State. Florida State shocked Miami. Um, so this minus nine line for Florida State, one thing that I'm considering here is that feels like a Jake Garcia line, that it feels like the odds makers are maybe assuming that Tyler Van Dyke is not back this week. And if we do find out maybe later today, Monday or midweek, uh, or late in the week, the Tyler is going to play in this game. I think that line will shrink a little bit to closer to a touchdown or maybe even closer than that. Cause honestly, I'm thinking about the difference right now between Tyler Van Dyke and Jake Garcia and how many points Tyler is worth. I think Tyler's probably worth at least three points compared to Jake. So if that minus nine, if that's a Jake Garcia line, I think that might shrink to about six. If Tyler Van Dyke is able to play this week, but that is a big number, that nine point number. A lot of you, though, think it should be double digits. Now, I think the biggest key for this one, outside of quarterback, because I can't predict it right now, is it going to be the Jake Garcia-Jakari Brown combo, or is it going to be TVD? That's a huge factor, of course. Uh, defensively for Miami, can they stop the run against the top rushing team in the conference? Because the Seminoles lead the ACC, as I mentioned, 209.6 yards per game on the ground. The Hurricanes have the second-best rushing defense in the conference. They give up just 112.7 on the ground. But Florida State did manage 206 rushing yards against Clemson. They've got at least four running backs that can hurt us and a quarterback that can hurt us on the ground. And throughout the season, we have seen Miami struggle to contain and stop mobile quarterbacks on the ground. So that's something we're going to have to watch out for this week. Oh, man, guys. We've got big plans throughout the week here on Locked on Canes. On uh, Thursday's episode, we are going to have a crossover with Drizzy Drake, who hosts Locked on Seminoles. So should I trash talk Drake a little bit? I'll, I don't know. I feel like he can probably trash talk me. Florida State looks better than Miami right now, and they beat Miami last year. I'm going to try my best to trash talk Drizzy Drake when we do the crossover episode later this week. Uh, we are going to do, on tomorrow's episode, Tuesday, we are going to do a Q&A episode, so make sure you're sending those questions in to at LockedOnCanes on Twitter. If you follow us at LockedOnCanes, we will follow you back. Uh, you can also send them to my personal at Alex Dono, Dono spelled D-O-N-N-O. Send us any Canes football comments and questions you might have for Rivalry Week. We'll, uh, we'll talk about all the reasons why I hate Florida State throughout the week. We're going to have some other great guests as well it's not going to be just drizzy drake joining us although he is awesome we're gonna have some other maybe some former miami players will stop by as well this week we're gonna to try to work some of that good stuff out uh so yeah make sure you hit the thumbs up button and subscribe whether you're listening to us on apple Podcasts, spotify google play or you are watching us on youtube make sure to subscribe to our channel and folks thank you for making locked on canes your first listen today for your second listen check out locked on sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. So we will talk to you guys again on Tuesday on another episode of Locked On Canes, part of the awesome Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. <laughs>